0: Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. I am once again your host, Noah Rubin, and this was the final episode of our Team by Team series where we've taken three teams per week and looked at their dynasty outlook. And this time it was the Celtics and the two teams that played in the NBA Finals, the Nuggets and the Heat. Um, And I was joined by Yahoo's Dan Titus for this episode. And like I said, last one, breaking down teams, so next week, with the NBA draft coming, we'll be doing a lot more draft content, uh, preparing with prospect analysis before the draft, and then team fits after the draft, hopefully we'll be able to do some rookie mock drafts uh, for Dynasty Leagues to kind of get give you a, an idea of where guys should be drafted, uh, and try and get some other analysts to be able to participate in that to give you the best idea and best ADPs from experts. Uh, so that'll be coming next week. So in order to stay up to date with all that, make sure you subscribe to my Substack and noRuben.substack.com. Uh, wherever you consume your podcast, whether it's Apple or Spotify or YouTube or something else, sub- follow, like, subscribe, rate us if you if you want to give us five stars, that'd be awesome. And then if you have any questions, uh comments, anything dynasty or just basketball, or just fantasy, or anything related. You can find me on Twitter at NoahRubin22. Uh, But let's go ahead and get into the episode where we're breaking down those three teams, and we get to talk to Dan about his start in the industry, which I feel is something that probably a lot of people want to do and want to be able to replicate. And now you can hear how he did it. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the Take Me Later podcast. My name is Noah Rubin, and this is episode 10. We're going to talk about the Celtics. We're going to talk about the Heat, and we're going to talk about the NBA championship winning Denver Nuggets, finally getting through, going through every single team. This is episode 10. We've gone through 30 teams after this episode, which means we're almost to the draft. It's almost time to break down that. But for this episode, I was able to bring in Dan Titus of Yahoo Fantasy, fantasy bet and betting analyst. I don't know if that's a or the analyst there. Uh, (laughs) But Dan, how are you doing today? Doing great,
1: Noah. Thanks for having me on, man. And I've been following your work at NBC Sports Edge. Obviously, I I love everyone that works there between Raphael Johnson and Zach Hanshu. So um, awesome to talk to you about everything that happened postseason and then also get into a few teams and uh, talk about some news that just dropped too. So um, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Absolutely, man. Looking forward to talking about this. And like you mentioned, the news, we're going to start with Bradley Beal. We can call it news. We can call it non-news. Kind of news. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're saying, you know, if they decide to trade him, that they'll probably talk with him about being traded. Like, that's basically what they tweeted. They said, you know, if we decide to rebuild, which I'm not a Wizards fan. I've been begging for them to blow it up. (laughs) And they refuse because to Bradley
1: it. Beal just keeps on resigning these max deals. He's like, exactly. I'm going to keep you guys in purgatory for as long as possible. You're just going to, I'm going to bleed you dry of all your cap space, <laughs> and then you can figure out what to do." Oh wait, you can't figure it out because I hold all the cards. Maybe oh, that's man. why they're
0: going public with this. They're trying to get right. media on their side so that Bradley Beal's like, "Wait, maybe actually I can get traded, and things will be better than getting paid money to lose basketball games." But <laughs> uh, we've seen. Heat is probably the number one team that could really trade for him. I mean, they have assets with Tyler Hero has a big contract. Duncan Robinson yeah. has a big contract. Kyle Lowry has one more year on his contract, and it's big. Um, and since we're going to get to talk about the Heat a little bit later, it's kind of great that we're starting with this. Yeah. Do you think there's also reports that they're going to go star hunting this offseason? I think everybody immediately thought Damian Lillard, Bradley mm-hmm. Beals, obviously another option. Do you think, we'll just throw out this hypothetical, if they're able to swing that trade, get Bradley Beal, and give up Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kyle Lowry, does that make the Heat, would they have been more competitive in the, this past NBA Finals if they had that trade? I know they didn't have Tyler Hero for that series, sure. but would having the starting lineup of probably Gabe Vincent, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and I guess Caleb Martin or Max Strus, does that give them six games over Denver? I don't know that that actually has too much of an impact.
1: Um So it's, it's, it's hard because Bradley Beal hasn't played meaningful basketball. Like we haven't seen him in the postseason in quite some time. And I would think that his talent level would elevate this team, especially offensively um, as the season, as the NBA finals wore on. I think that the, the Miami heat offense just kind of sputtered. We were, I think a lot of people were waiting for them to sputter in the r- previous rounds. You went through the bucks, you went through the Knicks, you went through the Celtics and that, their three point eventually regressed. Right. And I think if you have a player like Bradley Beal in there, there's not as much emphasis on Jimmy Butler to go get you that bucket or, or to generate offense. Cause I think that that was the problem. Um, not a lot of shot creators. Bam Adebayo bio was outstanding in the NBA finals, um, but he had a tall task on both sides of the ball. And I thought he did really well, at least trying to go, you know, neck and neck with Jokic, but outside of Jimmy Butler, if he's not scoring, where are you getting it from? Max Strus, Duncan Robinson, Um, It seemed like each one of those guys kind of played their role at different aspects of the postseason. Whereas I feel like if you have a guy like Bradley Beal, who's, you know, a max contract player, former all-star, I feel like he's going to make your team better. And Kyle Lowry, you know, regular season, that's not really what you're invested in Kyle Lowry for. Like he's a postseason player, Um, you you know, from a fantasy perspective, you know, that's not a guy you're going to want to rely on year after year. Um, and Duncan Robinson was a guy that wasn't even in the rotation. So if I'm having to expend him and Tyler hero and Duncan Robinson, who's making $18 million, I do it like they're going to have to make a decision. Cause Gabe Vincent's about to get om- rumored to be $15 million. Caleb Martin's going to probably get a pretty hefty bag himself um, in time. So yeah, I think you got to make a move if this becomes available. I don't know that they have the assets to get Dame, but I think Bradley Beal sounds like a player that might be a good fit.
0: And they might as well throw whatever draft picks they have left because they don't draft well. They just sign guys after they go undrafted and then they look at the window now.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Like you, you went to the NBA finals twice in the last three years. Um, Jimmy Butler's getting up there in age. though he's continuing to get better. This is a veteran team now. So you got to go get veteran players. It's kind of like the Lakers. Like you're not, looking to restart this whole thing with younger assets so you might as well utilize those assets
0: get yourself a veteran player that can help you win now and as much as you, they may like tyler hero like you said it's a win now team bradley beal yeah. fits much better with their timeline so i agree i guess we'll see if we'll see happening or if it's <laughs> that bradley beal says no I'm, I'm comfortable being a borderline all-star and getting paid a lot of money with no pressure we'll see
1: yeah, I don't. I mean, I it seems like them. him and Dame L- Dame Lillard have been kind of the same guy, like refusing to, you know, opt out of a trade or, or request a trade publicly. Um, Just getting the bag and kind of waiting, like let me get a couple players to get here, we'll kind of be middle of the road, middle of the pack, and then you'll come into the next season, ask me the same question again. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully things change. There's a couple of players um that are on the market right now that have constantly been talked about in in trade talks and rumors that just never end up leaving. John Collins. Um, is another one of those guys. So really excited to see what this off season brings, but not surprising that we have this action in this news and commentary coming out only a couple of days after the NBA finals. Uh, we got to keep the the news train going.
0: Yeah. And a couple of days before the draft. So that's kind of what we had to fill in this next week and a half space <laughs> with is these possible trade rumors that probably aren't going to yeah. happen, but they might cause draft night could be big, but before we It'd get good. back into more NBA stuff, I know we'll circle back with talk about the heat um, as well as Boston and Denver, that dan kind of want to hear your background with getting into i guess just being a general sports fan um and then kind of how you got into the industry a little bit but i guess what was what was sports like like what were you just a basketball guy did you like other things growing up like what were your teams as well
1: yeah so i'm a philly guy born and raised um i live out in the bay area now uh work previous job took me out here and i met my wife and now i have a family so I don't think I can go back, man. I I just appreciate no snow uh, so much more now. Um, But, yeah, so I kind of got my start in the industry. Well, I should say, let me take it back further. Um, I grew up playing basketball, baseball and football, played high school basketball and football. Um, I would like to say I was talented enough to play at least D3, but wasn't in the cards I chose to go to Virginia Tech, get a business degree, because I realized at 5'9", I probably didn't have a future in professional (laughs) sports. And so um had to get a degree. Um, and upon graduation, I was in a recession, so I had to get a job. I wound up getting a job at Lockheed Martin and um, did that for 11 years and really enjoyed it, kind of, but always in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, uh, this isn't me. I think I want to work in sports. And growing, going out of college, I never knew that there was actually an industry that you could have a career path in terms of fantasy or sports betting or anything like that. And so once I started to notice things – trends um kind of evolving in the industry in terms of the adoption of sports betting across different states and just seeming like the the expansion of dfs and and how much it's being marketed in terms of the natural live game experience i was like no maybe there is a route that i can kind of figure out to get in here and so i was always passionate about basketball i've been playing fantasy basketball since 2001 i'm 37 years old now so i've been playing for over two decades always been obsessed with it and um I was like, all right, well, how can I do this? So randomly, a friend of mine, Adam Koffler and I, we both worked at Lockheed Martin together. We wound up going to the FSGA conference and we learned it's like, oh, there actually is an opportunity to kind of get in this. But how do we do it? So I, I volunteered, you know, put in um, an application to write for fantasy pros. And ironically, Zach Hanchu was my NBA editor, which was pretty cool. So he got to see the, yeah. the horrible writer that I was initially <laughs> uh, to where I got now. And um, yeah, it was just a really good experience. But unfortunately, when I decided to quit my job, um, the pandemic happened literally three months after that. So oh as goodness. much as I was excited to like jump in, I'm like, all right, I'm a writer. I'm not making any money. But you know what? I'm going for my dream. Sports stopped. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do now? And so like I actually used that as an opportunity to just do offseason back, like while the, the hiatus was going on, I was just doing all the updates on the back on what was going on around the NBA And I kind of got more momentum there and decided, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of other opportunities to create content. So I started doing video stuff. I started doing production and just started to try to learn as much as I could in such a short amount of time so that when sports restarted, I could really hit the ground running. And that's what I did. Um, And so I started my own podcast with Zach and Adam Kaufler and then also Alex Burns. Shout out to him on Roto Baller. Uh, It was called The Stretch 4 Podcast. We parlayed that, our relationship in the fantasy pros into working with another company called Blue Wire. And then we eventually end up on the Action Network. And then I don't know how the heck it happened, but um, an opportunity came up um, to me that was presented to me to be a a fantasy basketball analyst full-time. I didn't know that they had those, that that was even available. Um, So just extremely fortunate that I was in the right place at the right time. And obviously, I'm passionate about fantasy basketball more than anything, um, and basketball more than anything. So um, I couldn't be happier and just extremely blessed to be in the position that I'm in. Get to talk to great guys like you um, and talk hoops nonstop. So, yeah, as we were talking about before we got on, it's like, you know, the NBA finals is over. I would assume that I would get a break, but like there's no breaks in sports. So um, we'll talk about a little bit later about it. Anyone that's, you know, has any questions about getting into the industry. But just know that it's a it's a grind and uh, it's never ending grind. But it's certainly rewarding, rewarding when you get a chance to talk about your passion and your 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 uh, your interest all the time.
0: Yeah, the, you said we were talking about it before. I was mentioning this specifically. The NBA Finals ended two nights ago, and I believe it'll be 10 days after that Game 5 ended that the draft will be right there. And I think if it would have right gone there, yeah. to a Game 7, it would have been would either been been the 18th or 19th tight and then the draft on the 22nd. So, <laughs> but then you also
1: have players that are like needing to you know opt into their player options between now and June 29th. So, like, dude. Like, these Woj bombs are about to start just flying.
0: Yeah, and then after that, it's uh, free agency, I think, opens on the 30th or the night of the 30th going into July 1st, and then you have Summer League. Right after that. Mm -hmm. I guess the break is kind of mid-August until preseason starts. I guess there's like a month and a half where it's like pretty slow. But, yeah, I mean, it's basically nonstop. I was mentioning this. It's The Super Bowl is in February, and then the draft is – late April. So you have about two and a half months as opposed to eight days with the NBA. So sports in general, don't stop. But specifically with basketball, it's kind of crazy how year round of a sport it is.
1: And I think that that's what separates basketball analysts from football or any other sport. Eh, I would argue baseball is pretty much a grind too, but they do have more of a hiatus um, in the off season than basketball does. But basketball is you're you are a degenerate. If you love basketball, especially (laughs) fantasy basketball, 82 games, plus you know going into the the you know this is a dynasty podcast so you're constantly evaluating younger talent um the movements the injuries the load management like so many variables that make it super interesting and and like that's what always like drew drew me to it was just the amount of uh dedication that's required to like be good at this
0: yeah i have issues getting some of my friends to either join leagues or stay in leagues because it's like if they tell me, yeah, sorry, I I don't really want to set a lineup every single day for six months. I'm like, that's fair. I can't get mad at you. I, mean, I know it's a, it's a lot to keep up with. So sure, no, no problem. I'll find somebody else to take your team. I get it. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a nonstop grind. Actually, something that you said on Adam King's, like I think it's Balls Deep podcast, mm-hmm. um, where he was we we're going through analysts by analysts with background stuff. You were the first person that I heard say talk about the community within the fantasy basketball space that's just so different from, I guess, the fantasy football space. Like, talk. Can you tell me a little bit about what your experience has been like? Because I know for me, everybody I talk to has been incredibly nice, helpful, or Adam was one of the first ones. I think I posted a different podcast I was doing, just posted an episode, had Zach on it. Adam pretty much immediately DM'd me and said, hey, if you ever need a guest, like, I'll hop on. I'm like, I don't even know who you are, but sure. Like it, it was great. Incredibly nice. And now I've had him on a few times, but what's your experience kind of been like with the fantasy basketball industry? Yeah, it's been
1: outstanding. And, you know, I think even from my first early days doing fantasy pros and reaching out to folks to try to hop on as guests for podcasts. Um, I think everyone's just been very open and welcome. As you said, like everyone's willing to jump in. I think our group threads that we have on Twitter are very engaging and um, I just feel like there isn't that much BS with it. Like, I feel like we all have a common goal of wanting to inform fantasy players on how to get better, give them the right information to make informed decisions. And there's no drama in between, right? Like, there's no hidden agendas that I've seen or sensed out. Whereas, you know, if you go on fantasy football Twitter, man, it's gross, dude. It's just people belittling each other and, like, getting in their feelings, trying to one-up each other try to jump on the first news that happens and beat everybody else acting like they're, you know, Adam Schefter in their own right. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of sad to be honest with you. Cause like most of these people are grown men and, uh, or women, excuse me, um, grown men and women don't really see women that much doing that. It's more of the, the men that are kind of catty about it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I appreciate the fact that our community is very uplifting and always wanted to help out one another and also share information. Like I've learned so much from other folks like, you know, Josh Lloyd's been a guy that I've looked up to a long time in this industry because he does his own projections. He has his own website. Like everyone is the entrepreneurial mindset of of everyone in, in fantasy basketball seems to be way higher. Like people are like, Hey, if I can't work for my own outfit for this outfit, I'll start my own. I don't have a podcast. I'll create one. Hey, let's get everybody on here so we can continue to share the resources that we have and I think that's just something that i that I really value in this in, in being a part of the fantasy basketball
0: community definitely as as opposed to anybody that has a take getting a quote a quote tweet with somebody trying to dunk on them and yeah just it's, make them look foolish because I don't know I know I've had bad tweets I'm sure everybody has so when that <laughs> happens, it's like I'd rather have somebody like share their opinion in a respectful way as opposed yeah
1: man to- we have healthy debates and it's not like it's not a it doesn't it's never an attacking or, or kind of a belittling or condescending way it's it's almost like hey let's have a conversation which i think is that's what when twitter is good right or at its best is when you're having helpful debate um but when you get into the slander and all that that's just like y'all are doing too much and i feel like i never have to deal with that with basketball so I guess we'll let us keep it that way. Let's let's keep that positive (laughs) the positive energy and affirmations going. Um, but yeah, man, I I think it's this is just a great spot to be at. And uh to be able to talk hoops in in a free, free free-flowing manner is just so so great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll start talking some of those hoops. So we'll talk about, like I said, Celtics heat nuggets. We'll start with Boston. Uh they let's see, pull up their exact record. They finished. 57 and 25, second best record in the East, second best record in the league. They don't have their own first. The Pacers will make that pick because of the Malcolm Brogdon trade, which I don't care that like regardless of where they pick, that was insane that they were able to give up a first and like four guys that were out of the rotation yeah. for a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who is has played as like a borderline all-star in the past, and they have him for their sixth man. Boston had one of the deepest teams in the league coming in, especially. Maybe this was more of an underrated signing, but adding Danilo Gallinari. Uh, and then he tore his ACL, so they weren't even going to have yeah. They didn't have him. Um, and there was times – I'm a Hawks fan, so there was times he was carrying our offense for games at, at a time. Not like a long stretch, but there was times – To be where honest, he
1: would have been a really good fit for the Heat series because, mm-hmm. you know, having to stagger Robert Williams and Al Horford, who – Al Horford was struggling to to get out there in the perimeter to stop the three-point barrage – Um, And Robert Williams doesn't play, you know, any more than 20 minutes. Imagine if you get Danilo there, a guy that can play multiple positions, but also can shoot better than both Mm -hmm. of those guys, too. So, yeah, I think that that was a loss that that was an unintended, unexpected uh, factor that they didn't that they couldn't go to in an adjustment period for for the end of the season. So we'll see what if he comes back. He's definitely getting up there in age now. But, you know, certainly can can at least give you a little scoring punch there.
0: Yeah, I don't know how relevant he'll be in, in fantasy, but I think yeah. having him as a shooter is a great element, especially with how much Boston likes to just chuck threes for their <laughs> offense. I mean, there yeah. there was times for me where I watched the games, and it's like, all right, they need a bucket here. Cool. Like, what what play is Joe Missoula going to draw up? Oh, oh, it's another. ISO. Team. ISO. ISO the three. <laughs> another one?
1: Contested. fadeaway. <laughs> it's fade <away. laughs>
0: It's the, the lack of. I don't know, structure in their offenses. like, it must be fun to play for the Celtics because you just you just shoot contem- – maybe it's just Tatum and occasionally everybody else gets to do it, but mostly Tatum gets to do it when he wants. It looks like a fun offense to, to play in. Um, yeah, I
1: feel like they're going to I- – I'm trying to give Joe Missoula some slack here because he wasn't expected to be the head coach in the, right. in the beginning of the season. And all things considered, he had a great year. They were second in the Eastern Conference, as you mentioned. They got – you know, they were just on the cusp of making it to the finals yet again. They took it to game seven. Um, I, I feel like he'll have a better system in place to utilize the assets that he has. Now, granted, he did have 82 games to figure out something. But I think there's always been that difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. And I think he just got out coached a little bit because he didn't have the experience. But now that he has that under his belt, I, I think he'll be better prepared. But I think it is something worth bringing up, though, because. Uh, the offense seems to get a bit stagnant too much, right? And Caleb Martin called out Jalen Brown and his lack of handle is like, Hey, we're forcing this guy to go left, we're forcing him to go left. Um, but I do think that there's definitely flaws in their games that ha- that were exploited that they're going to need to improve upon going into the next year. But like, I don't, I don't see they're going to run it back. Like, their squad is too deep. They have everybody pretty much under contract. They're going to have a problem in 24 25, though because they're not going to be able to afford Brown and Jason Tatum with super maxes. So from a dynasty perspective, like I'd actually feel great about Jason Tatum Uh, hashtag basketball has him ranked number three overall. I think that that's accurate because he's not going anywhere. Jalen Brown is at 40, which is actually, I feel like that's actually kind of low considering where he could be in another situation where he will probably be an alpha. Um, But I I think that, you know, going into next season, this team's going to be solid. I think that they overachieve, considering that they had a new head coach. He's going to get his own staff around around him, surround him, making the, those decisions, those adjustments that he couldn't make this year. Um, fantasy perspective, I think this team is going to be solid. So I, I do have my doubts about Robert Williams. I think finally, like I know he is a darling just for what he can do defensively, but the health concerns are really starting to add up now. So I don't know that you can trust him. Um, seeing him ranked at, like, 74th, I feel like that's fair, given that you can't rely on him for a full season. Um, I think there could be an opportunity for Marcus Smart to go up a little bit. He's at 108. I feel like he's, he's a top 100 player. But the fact that he's getting his minutes eaten into by Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, the combination of both of them, uh, certainly does kind of hamper his fantasy expectations.
0: Yeah, I think Marcus Smart is a really interesting situation because I was looking at all the Celtics stuff the other day and he just had – I think he finished outside the top 100 by nine-cap value mm-hmm. for the first time in, gosh, years. But he averaged yeah. a career high in assists. Like, his numbers weren't down that much. I think one of the issues that I, I see with Boston is I think he's a really good player. Like, he can run point guard, but I don't think he's necessarily like on that a same true. level. Yeah, like a, a true leader that they probably need to run the offense. Like, he can basically run the defense, like, with his effort as well as just – playing good defense. But offensively, I feel like if they had more of like a true point guard to kind of rein in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, utilize them. I feel like, especially with Joe Missoula in his first year, you know, you're not going to really out coach Eric Spolster with a first year head coach. I think that's something that they could probably have expected going into that series. But I think it's, it's things that they can work out. Like you said, they have way too much talent to not run it back. Anybody can make fun of Jalen Brown for having eight turnovers in game seven. (laughs) Of course, like everybody can, but when you look at this team from top to bottom, they were far more talented than Miami. They, they should have won that on paper for sure. Exactly. So I think that there's no reason for them to not just continue to run it back with the team that they have. And as we saw, I think this season, Jason Tatum, sorry, Jalen Brown finished 49th. Jason Tatum was 11th in nine cat scoring. Nobody else was top 50, quite a few top 100 guys so they have a lot of guys that can be really good in fantasy but i feel like everybody's going to be slightly limited by the fact that jason tatum's going to have the ball and get to shoot whenever he wants
1: yeah and when he's not shooting
0: Jalen brown gets to shoot every single time so (laughs) guys like Derek white malcolm brogdon who are very capable of being really good fantasy players just get capped a little bit by a lack of offensive opportunity at times
1: yeah, I feel like the Boston Celtics from a fantasy perspective, I, I have, you know, I think Jason Tatum is a person that I'm going to be aggressively targeting in redraft leagues. Um, I think he's a top five pick this going into next season. I, w- I could argue top three, mainly because if you look at his numbers, he's improved in points, rebounds and assists every single year. The only thing that he's still kind of struggles with sometimes is his shooting efficiency. If you can get up to 48, 49 percent, you're looking at a very good fantasy player um Jalen Brown is is one of those guys I think we'll you'll consistently see go in the fourth fifth rounds maybe he can get I don't I don't see third round value with him um because he has a lot of turnovers a bit inconsistent sometimes but he's still pretty young so I could see him also go getting better um the other guys though I feel like the Marcus Smart Derek White Malcolm Brogdon we're all going to be like mid to late round guys and the thing about Derek White that I like the most is that he at least is a very good shot blocker. Um, so if you're looking for a guy that can provide value outside of just their normal, you know, outside points, rebounds and assists, like Derek White is an invaluable fantasy player because of that. Um, I think he was second, second most blocks by a guard in the league only to Shea Gildas Alexander, which, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander there's like nothing that he does wrong in fantasy. Um <laughs> But I think that those those blocks are very underrated, and he gets you steals too. He hits threes. He's good from the free throw line. He's a. I think he out of Marcus Smart, Derek White, and, and Malcolm Brogdon, I'd probably rank Derek White the highest just because he has that defensive upside that you don't typically get from guards.
0: Yeah, I agree. Even and he is one of those guys where I, I know I mentioned the lack of offensive opportunity at times, but yeah. he's good with a, a handful of catch and shoot threes, and exactly. I mean, We Mm -hmm. see him make hustle plays. We saw him win a game with a hustle play, extend the series with a hustle play. So I don't think anybody outside of Brown and Tatum are high-volume offensive guys, but I think that, just to not totally backtrack on my point, uh, (laughs) that it kind of takes away a little bit and limits when you have – I mean, they have probably eight or nine guys that are legit, probably starting caliber players. Definitely, or start at some
1: point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: I mean, that's, they had Malcolm Brogdon as a permanent sixth man, basically, but Marcus and Derek White are both starting caliber players, Horford and Robert Williams, obviously both the Jays. Grant Williams has had stretches where he plays like a starter, but I think when you have so much depth like they have, that it's hard for him to even get the opportunity to really shine other than an occasional catch and shoot three and playing good defense. He's a guy that I find interesting. He hasn't really done much for fantasy yet and he's a restricted free agent this summer i want to say he turned down a four year 50 million dollar offer i don't remember exactly when that was but i know he turned that down is if he gets offered more than that does boston match that do they or do they just let him walk i mean i think
1: they're gonna let him walk that they have i mean i think that they're they're looking ahead like their cap situation is not good going into 24 25 so yeah i'm expecting him to move on i was just going to ask you what do you think Who do you think benefits if Grant Williams leaves? Where does that opportunity kind of uh, present itself for? Which player?
0: I mean, probably the guy that we talked about earlier and Danilo Gallinari. I don't think anybody else really comes in and just fills those minutes that is also going to make an actual impact. I don't know if Gallo's a guy that's going to be even ready for the start of the season. When I was looking it up earlier, uh, maybe a few days ago, his knee wasn't at a hundred percent or maybe, maybe I'm just totally making this up, but I don't know that he's going to be able to play 20, 25 minutes off the bench.
1: At right, the start of right.
0: But I think he's probably a guy that could see 10 to 15 minutes here and there off the bench, hit some threes, which is what Grant Williams was doing. I just, he's not the same level of defender, but they probably just rely on Al Horford playing more power forward when Jason Tatum isn't on the floor mm-hmm. in kind of that backup role or, Maybe they're able to sign somebody else for cheap that can just kind of be a a nice role player for them. I mean, like I was saying, they have, I I guess, at least seven or eight guys that are legit starters if Grant Williams leaves. So if they're able to get, I don't know if they have a second round pick or not, but maybe sign somebody in free agency just to kind of fill out a few minutes here and there. I think they have enough right now on their roster that they bump up everybody's a few minutes and they've kind of covered covered themselves as far as what Grant Williams was doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that they could probably add someone in free agency, um, someone at the mid-level exception that's, you know, trying to get on a roster that can potentially have a, an opportunity to win a championship. Um, saw some rumors once the Chris, Chris Paul uh, wait being waived, um, news kind of dropped. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if, if he truly is available, he wasn't on the list of suitors that, that Woj mentioned. It was like the Lakers, the Clippers the Warriors and the um, who was the other team? Other team escapes me, but um, I feel like Chris Paul would be that natural point guard that would fit to kind of get them involved, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to make the money work, um, considering how much he's owed. And yeah, I just think that would be a tough situation, but I feel like that would be a, a good fit get a true point guard, and then you can have you know, you can lo- you can kind of stagger. The Tatums and Browns at that three, four spot to kind of make up for the difference if you lose Grant Williams in the
0: process. Yeah. And I looked it up. The Knicks are the other team. I don't Knicks, know how good a right right fit right. that really is. Yeah. No, that's, that's I don't Jensen. even think that that's real. <laughs> I, it's, they probably just do that where it's like, okay, this guy needs a team. Let's, uh, a New York team. Okay. Two LAs. Yeah. I mean, then we'll just, <laughs> I mean, that, why would, I don't know. To me, the Lakers make the Warriors sense, doesn't make any sense either. Cause I'm Warriors like, what?
1: What is he going to come off the bench behind Chris Paul? Like, exactly. or behind Steph Curry? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And, and you or, signed Jordan Poole too. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. How that. Is would he going to
0: go back to the Clippers and they have Russell Westbrook? Like, I'm not I think that Russ makes a lot player. of
1: sense. Yeah. Me and Raf were talking about it yesterday. Yeah. And I, I feel like the Clippers probably, I mean, the injury risk is just wild there. Yeah. If he ends up going, but like, that's, they need a point guard. And yeah. him and Ty Lue, I think that that would make sense. You know, Paul George, they have the ball in their hands, but I feel like Chris Paul wouldn't be asked to do much other than, hey, let's get into the offense. Let's slow, slow the pace, um, play good defense, something that Russ doesn't really do that much. So, <laughs> I yeah, I think that, that the, the Clippers definitely sounds like a good fit.
0: I think I saw – I don't remember which beat reporter, but somebody for the – like a Clippers beat reporter tweeted out about how when they were interested in signing Russ that you could hear, or I guess that he heard people in the locker room discussing about how that would be a good fit. I guess probably Paul George was a big name that, Yeah. but he said, when it comes to Chris Paul, you don't hear that same chatter. So I don't know where Ooh. that comes from or, but I think, I don't know, with what Chris I'm Paul not has been, too many guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's an aggravator. If you're not yeah. on his team, then he has probably burned quite a few bridges with mm-hmm. either his tattling or just like, trying to make winning plays here and there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I mean he's played on almost half the western conference teams. He's probably created rivalries with plenty of guys, so maybe oh, I don't know. I that could be speculation from one source and then I'm using it as definitive fact. So we'll see. <laughs> um but time will tell. Right, yeah. I I could definitely see that Chris Paul fitting in well with Boston, but I think it's also they already have three starting caliber point guards really in Derek white Brogdon and, and Marcus smart. Do you start Chris Paul move Marcus smart to the two and have Derek white and Brogdon off the bench? I mean, that's not bad. Don't get me wrong, no, but no. <laughs> that's a, they have that's options. A pretty, That's pretty guard heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then they also have Al Horford and Robert Williams down low as well as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, in the wing. So despite a lack of cap space, it's hard to find many better situations talent wise. In the yeah NBA. agreed but we can talk now about the team that beat them the team that went up 3-0 in the conference finals after losing their first play in game uh and then beating the bucks in five Knicks in six going up 3-0 against boston before losing or excuse me losing three straight and then winning the series gets the finals and losing in five the heat will pick 18th in the draft by the way boston also they pick 35th they're the early second from Portland, but Miami will pick 18th and I believe that is their only pick in the draft. So they should be able to add a talent just outside the lottery. If they don't use that to trade, like we mentioned earlier, they're going to go star hunting. We'll see what exactly that means, but the heat, I don't know. I feel like they haven't gone star hunting in the past and it's, but despite that, They have, I think it's four undrafted guys who are heavy parts of the rotation throughout the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. hashtag heat culture, finds a way to get it done. (laughs) But I guess, I I know we briefly talked about them earlier, but we'll we'll start with Jimmy Butler, might as well. I believe he played 65 games this past season after playing somewhere in the 50s, the three seasons before that. And that may take away from his value slightly um, in the sense that he's not able to play as, a lot of, as much as a lot of other guys that get drafted as early as him. But I feel like it's almost become overblown that he misses so many games because, I mean, if you look at guys like Kawhi and Paul George, Anthony Davis, not Steph as Curry. much this Steph, exactly, that over the last few seasons haven't been able to play as many games as you would like, but Jimmy Butler seems to be his name tossed out there a good bit, and he played 65 this season. I think it was – you know 50s before that but he's played at least 50 games in every season and mm-hmm. in today's NBA I feel like that's for an aging veteran star that's probably enough it's all you can ask for really uh, but he was he's consistently been at least top 20 most of the times top 10 in per game nine cap value but I find him also interesting because his mentality is very different from many other stars I think it, actually it's funny cuz Jokic is the same way you saw they asked Jimmy Butler about the Hall of Fame, and he said, "Honestly, I don't really that. care. <laughs> if I get in the Hall of Fame, that. I'm not going to the acceptance speech. That's that's nuts." And then you hear Jokic say that he he doesn't like his day job, basically, after winning the NBA Finals. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> goodness, I just want to go home, just, man. I ain't yeah. here for all this, like parade. Yeah. What? I'm going home, bro. <laughs> I got horses to tend to and beer to drink. Exactly. And the the videos of him just like unexcitedly spraying champagne in the locker room. I mean, after the game, uh, all all right, guys, cool. And then after the game, I don't, maybe I'm just not remembering this correctly. I don't remember anybody winning the championship and then going in, like dabbing up the other team before celebrating. I don't remember ever seeing that. Maybe I'm just not remembering, which I think speaks a little bit to his character, but also just, you didn't see him freaking. Out. I mean, you saw Jamal Murray crying. You didn't see that yeah. from Jokic. So, I mean, we'll get into them in a little bit. But all that to be said about Jimmy Butler, he's I believe going to be thirty four next season. He's already said he's not going to suit up for another team. Like if he's when he's done playing for the Heat, he's done playing in the NBA. How do we kind of value him going forward? I mean, he's consistently top tier fantasy value. His games are. Not great, but not horrible like is he still i mean in redraft leagues, i guess we'll we'll talk about that. Is he still a guy you're taking in the in the second round or do you take him later than that? um
1: so i actually i, I agree with you in terms of i think the this i think he's been under drafted for too long now and going into fantasy, I'm going with the expectation that my star players So if I'm picking in the first three rounds, I'm expecting to play at least 60 games. That's now like the threshold for a superstar. If you look, I mean, there's very, unless they're like 23 or 24 years old, like Jason Tatum, they're probably not going to play 60 games, uh, over over 60 games. So if you look at Jimmy Butler in a 60-game sample size, he's one of the best fantasy players there, there is. He shoots well from the field. He'll give you, he's among the league leaders in steals. He gets to the line a lot. And with that volume, you know, you'll take that percentage any day. Um, the only thing he doesn't really do a lot is shoot threes, but with the overwhelming expectation that he's going to deliver efficiency scoring and hit every other category, he's a late first for me. And if you compare him with a guy, like I would say like Macau Bridges, a guy that I know that is an iron man that I can rely on in the second round. I think that that makes sense. Or even like a Trey young. Um, cause I think the efficiency of Jimmy Butler can, can kind of hide or mask. Trey Young's inefficiencies, but Trey Young plays a lot of games. Um, So I think that that's, if you're going to draft Jimmy, I would just plan to have a guy that's a little bit younger that you know that you can get maybe 65 to 70 games out of potentially 80. Everyone would love to get an 80 game, you know, season out of players, but it just doesn't happen in the modern modern game. Injuries, load management, so forth. Um, I would probably feel safe taking Jimmy in the late early second, but I could see the argument for him being a late first based off what he did last season. And we don't know what star power may join him in Miami, but I think right now he was benefiting from there not being a lot of offensive talent around him. It was him, Tyler hero and bam Mata Everyone else was pretty much mid all season. Um, and given their cap situation, um, I don't think the situation will change too much in terms of Jimmy's role. I think he's going to be the leader of this team. I'd feel comfortable drafting him pretty high. I mean, hashtag basketball has him ranked 47. I would rank him higher than that, even despite his age this season. Like, I'd probably put him in the – put him in the top 25. And then and if we see starting to see this decline, you know, I could see him moving back into the 40s and 50s over the next couple of years. But I still still think that he's firmly in the window of his prime, and he's going to play great basketball and try to get to the championship again. So – Um, I think 47 is a bit low in terms of dynasty and redraft I would go as high as late first, early second round based off the production.
0: Yeah, and I think with dynasty rankings, I always they're always hard for me to even try and make. I've sat down and tried to do them a few times. I'm like it it just depends so much on team direction. Because if you're team, if you're tanking hard, Jimmy Butler means nothing to you. Like if you're not planning on winning a championship in your fantasy league within the next three seasons. You trade him as quickly as you can. But if yep. you're ready to win, he basically holds redraft value. Like he's, you know, maybe not a first round, but like slightly less just because you're probably planning to win for a few seasons and he can provide that. So it all, you know, depends on team direction. Um, sure. But he's definitely a guy that when he's on the court, he's going to do he a lot. An impact. Exactly. Uh, and then with Bam, Adebayo, the other, I guess, the other all star on the team because Tyler Hero has gotten close, but he hasn't gotten there yet. And Kyle Lowry's mm-hmm. is a little bit past his days of being an all-star. But Bam has, I think he finished 33rd in Ninecat cat this season, played 76 games um, after being 39th and 19th the previous two seasons. I think he had a lot of hate during the Boston series, but like you said, he was great during the NBA Finals. Amazing. I don't know if it was just trying to make up for what he – wasn't able to do during the Boston series, or if he just saw the hate on Twitter and decided he had to do a little bit more. It's probably more the fact that as good as Jokic is, he's not as intimidating defensively as Robert Williams and Al Al Horford can be uh, combined. But where, where do we project Bam? He's still, I think he's about to turn 26. So just kind of entering his prime. He's, Good for almost a block and at least a steal per game. He averaged over 20 points per game this season. We've seen him average 10 rebounds per game. He does about everything you want in fantasy except shoot threes. Three. And we've seen him shoot mid-ranges. And I think in uh preseason games this past season, we saw him shooting threes. So yeah, I don't know if that ever becomes part of his repertoire a little bit, but how highly do you value Bam Adebayo? I guess both in redraft and in dynasty or how how probably similar is that? i feel like it's pretty similar to for me
1: yeah i i'm, I'm almost running out of second round <laughs> second round people like i <laughs> i'm actually about to publish my first round of rankings in a couple of weeks um so i'm curious to see how this shakes out but off the top i feel like bam is worthy of a mid to, to late second round pick um i think there is 20 and 10 upside he was just slightly under that this year um doesn't really block much but the steals are huge for the position and and then also his shooting you know he's he's well over 50 what 57 percent? i think from the field something like that 56 57 um i think bam actually he's 54 this year but i mean that could be higher um yeah he's a 20 and 10 guy so like i i value that in terms of you know, if you want to anchor with a big man that can give you defense, like that's what you want. But I think it's more about the dependability, right? You, you mentioned he paid 76 games this year. He played 76 games um, with other big men that have foot injuries, back injuries, just inconsistency. You don't see that with Bam. Like Bam shows up every night. He's going to give you somewhere between 18 and 12, 20 and nine. Like he just gives you what you want. So consistency matters. And I think that that's worth picking him in the first couple of rounds. Um, hashtag basketball has him 19th. I think that's probably a bit rich for me because once Kyle Lowry got there, his assists went down. If Kyle Lowry leaves or anyone else and Bam can get up to like, you know, four or five assists a game, that's where he you're unlocking like a, a huge fantasy player right there. Um, but there was a dip in his assists since Kyle Lowry arrived. So that's why I've been kind of slightly under underrating him. Um, but what we saw in the, in the NBA finals was he was, you know, they were playing through him and if they continue to do that, that's scary that that's, that's going to be a top 20 guy.
0: Now, let me throw out this hypothetical that we discussed earlier in, let's say a a Tyler hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson trade for Bradley Beal. You have Gabe Vincent, probably at point guard. Maybe they bring in somebody else. Maybe that ends up being Chris Paul, hypothetically, Mm -hmm. uh, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, Bam out of bio. Bam, it's probably his scoring's probably dropping 17 or 18 points. But maybe he has less focus offensively and trying to be a scorer now that they have Beale and Jimmy Butler, as opposed to him kind of being the second scoring option, potentially third. So he's averaging 17, 18 points per game, maybe 10 to 11 rebounds. Maybe the blocks go back up over one, maybe to 1.2, 1.3. Steals probably stay the same. Assists maybe back to five per game. Of course, totally random numbers it could be completely off, but the addition of Bradley Beal is more so what I'm looking at. What do you think that could do for his fantasy game as he becomes more of, I guess, a third off a third option offensively, but maybe gets to prioritize defensive playmaking a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would argue he's probably the third option now. Um, you know, with Jimmy Butler being one, Hero 2 and, and mm-hmm. Bam 3. I don't know that offensively my expectations would change much, but I do think that could unlock him to be more disruptive defensively because the defense, like he'll, I almost feel like he'll have free reign to roam. Like Bradley Beal, we haven't really seen what he can do defensively, but when I've seen him get up, you know, at the level, like he still plays competent defense. I mean, he's not a ball, he's not an absolute ball stopper or anything like that, but like he can play, he can play a role within the system. But I think if you have Bam as the anchor, if he can get those blocks up to like one and a half, yeah, that that's where we're we're talking. I mean, he was one, two, three. He finished fifth in defensive player of the year voting this past year. So yeah. he's already getting his respect to some degree amongst the league. But if you could put a couple more weapons that allows him to kind of free roam a little bit more and you can get more, uh, that's that's amazing news. But I do think it would come at the detriment. If they do get Beal, he's definitely gonna get less touches. But you could also argue he could, he could get easier touches. so you know if you have more talent around you, they generate more more action and more attention. maybe he's getting easier lobs by the rim or you know put in better positions in the dunker spot where he can raise that, that field goal percentage up from 54 percent to you know 57, 58 that I was talking about before. So um, I would actually feel really confident about BAM coming into this year. I think that this is the type of I was when I, I wrote an article a couple maybe it was like a couple weeks ago uh about the biggest playoff risers Caleb Martin ended up on that list Bam Adebayo was not but now after watching him in the finals I think that he was one of those players that Jimmy gave him the confidence in media in the media saying hey if we win this thing it's going to be because of this guy that's a hell of a confidence boost and probably the thing that he I mean he was going toe to toe with the Finals MVP like a guy was putting up 30 20 and 10 like I think Bam might now that I'm actually talking myself into this, I think that might <laughs> yeah. be—I might be making Bam an early second-round pick, man. Um, I don't know that the situation matters much. Like, I think he might just be that dude now, um, because he was, and maybe it was Jimmy Butler's ankle injury that put more pressure on him to perform. But I don't know, man. I, I think he passed the eye test to me. Like, you know, this dude's for real. And you know, if he can get twenty and ten, if he can get 19, 10, one and a half blocks and like 1.2 steals. That's fancy gold
0: for everything else that he does. Yeah. I was trying to see if you could talk yourself into being a late first round pick, but <laughs> there's, there's probably like, I mean, 11, 10, 11 first round guys, then like 20 to 25 second round guys. Yeah, that you would I mean, I'm going to gonna
1: probably be, there's going to be guys that I'm probably going to be overly dismissive of. Um, Like I might take Bam over like, Oh, Yeah, let me not get too wild with my hot takes. I got (laughs) to dig into it more. But I'll tell you what, Trey Young is not going to be up there for me. Like, I'll probably pick Bam before I would pick Trey Young um, just for how I want to build my roster. Um, I I don't love the turnovers and the inefficiency. I feel like it just the assists are nice, but you can get assists way late, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I – oof, man, I don't know. I, (laughs) Giannis is the other guy that I'm like, dude, I don't know how – how hard like if we're talking about head to head, like dude finish hundredth, like I I can't trust you to yeah. make field goals, but you also do like win categories every every game you play with like 30 and 20 upside. So yeah. I it's gonna be tough, man. But yeah, I I can get there for the early second. I think I can I can get there with Bam. I can get
0: there. Yeah. Well, Trey Young's averaging 30 points, 10 assists, and three threes this year with Quinn Snyder. So just go ahead and write those numbers down. <laughs> Book but, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's happening. It's happening. I'm not a biased fan at all. Uh, so the only other guy that was in the top 100 for the Heat this past season was Tyler Hero, who yeah we didn't get to see in the playoffs after he broke his hand and then gave Vincent, passed it to him for a quarter three. He still hit it, but every time I look Very back at the play, actually. it's – yeah. How bad did that, like, hitting that three must have hurt as well. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I think – so he finished 70 – in the 70s, I believe 70, 75 And then he finished in the 80s the year before, 88th. Where – how much upside does he have as a fantasy guy? I mean, we saw him average 20 points per game, and he hits a bunch of threes, can provide some rebounds and assist, assist numbers okay, high percentage from the free throw line, pretty below average field goal percentage doesn't really give you much defensively. Could we see him give some slight improvements across the board and end up being a top 50 guy at one point of his career or, or if maybe he ends up in some sort of trade, like the hypothetical Bradley Beal trade that we're basically talking into existence and it has to happen now, (laughs) if he goes and be and is becomes, you know what Bradley Beal is in Washington where he's able to shoot the ball more, maybe get up to like 23 points per game? Could we see Tyler Hero get into the top 50?
1: I don't know that I'm going to go top 50, but just look at the numbers from last year. They're kind of the same person. Um, and I say that because yeah. 25 and five is is essentially what you're expecting from Bradley Beal. I mean, he's going to probably give you 23 to 25 points. But I mean, Tyler Hero, if he's in the right situation, can can score three more points a game so uh and defensively they both don't give you much they're good from the free throw line uh bradley beal is more efficient in terms of field goal percentage but you know i think tyler hero is a top 70 top 60 guy he finished 69 last year um but yeah and then bradley beal is 56 but played way less games um I feel like Tyler Hero is a mid round pick. Like, I would, I'd feel comfortable taking him. I just don't know. I would try to get the five tool guys, like the people that can contribute on both ends of the, of the, of the, of the court. But I can't deny 25 and five. Like, I'll take that production any day, but I'm not going to overrank him because of his name. But I think it also brings merit that he has a huge contract. So, no matter where he, where he plays or where he goes, he's going to get time because that's an investment that clubs have made in him. Um, and he has the talent to do it. Um, I just wonder what his ceiling really is, though. Like, I feel like are, are we are we pretty much maxed out of what Tyler Hero can do? Um, I think the only thing that he'll probably be able to improve upon is the points and maybe getting some more steals if he gets after it defensively a little bit more, if he's challenged to do that. But, like, rebounds, I'm not expecting him to get up to, like, you know, six rebounds a game. Assists, he's never been a point – you know, a point – uh facilitator distributor type of you know get people into the offense type of guy so i think five five and a half is probably the max he would go in terms of assists and that's probably asking a bit much so um still great for threes great for free throw percentage but you know 25 and five i think is a reasonable expectation going forward for tyler hero
0: yeah i think the only way that that really gets much better is if he goes and plays for a really crappy team and they say just go ahead and shoot whenever you want, please. Go if it's if he gets it.
1: traded for Bradley Beal and it's him and Kyle Kuzma, cool. Like he's gonna cook. <laughs> yeah. He's absolutely gonna cook. They're just gonna be chucking
0: all game. No defense, just chucking. They got and then they have to trade Porzingis at that point too. So yeah, maybe it's just Tyler Hero and Kyle Kuzma for a few seasons while they add lottery talent. So
1: I mean, I'll be honest, I would be more interested in that version of Tyler yeah. Hero than the Heat situation. Um, just because he would be like the usage would be through the roof
0: it would be kind of crazy if the wizards were able to hold on to Bradley Beal a few years past him averaging 30 points per game and still get really good value for him. Yeah. Cause I feel like that was honestly the sweet spot for them to trade him. I mean, he was averaging 30 a game and I don't yeah. remember if they made the playoffs or lost in round one or what exactly happened those years, but he had back to back 30 point seasons and they just didn't immediately trade him. Like yeah, they that's they missed out on that team. window,
1: but we'll see. I mean, I'm curious to see what they get in return here. Um, but I feel like he's one of those guys that's just always respected in the league as like, oh, Brad's still that guy, so his trade value doesn't really go down. But I got, yeah, I agree with you. From a front from a front office standpoint, um, I would have moved him after that 30 point season. Um, but yeah, we'll see what they do. I, I think it's interesting that he's at least. It seems like the team is working together to find a potential trade. Uh, destination but we've heard the story before and and it came in amount to nothing so yeah maybe it's just hearsay but I I do think it would be really exciting if the Miami Heat decided like hey let's really go run this back go get us another all-star that can get us a bucket not that Tyler Hero wouldn't be able to do that but like I do feel like I have more confidence in a veteran like him than
0: than Tyler Hero yeah I mean at this point Beal wants to I would assume wants to win a ring so yeah you know he's I'd say he's still capable, but he's not going to give you 30 points per game during the regular no. season. And he may not need that to to get yeah. W's, right? Exactly. Um, and I'm sure the Heat have so many other rotation guys, but all former undrafted guys, basically, and and none of them are great for fantasy. I mean, you mentioned Caleb Martin earlier as a guy that could be a riser, but there's not a ton. There's a, a lot of good role players, but not a ton of fantasy upside. you have... Guys like I mean Kevin Love Kyle Lowry I mean Love loves past his days yeah Love's a free agent too mm-hmm. okay yeah and then Kyle Lowry's just past his Old. days <laughs> being in fantasy Max <laughs> Trus gives you threes but not yeah. really anything else Gabe Vincent could if he's the starter but if they go back into the season with Gabe Vincent as their starting point guard then I just have to assume that they failed to try and bring in like another star alongside their team like yeah mm-hmm. the big serious. And yeah,
1: I feel like Gabe Vincent played at a very high level in the postseason, but he's a backup point guard. Um, and it, like, even if you look at his numbers, like he wasn't really a distributor. He was more of a guy that you know would fade to the corner, or you know, if the ball rotation, like you would get on a three pointer, you know, attack the lane a little bit. Like he's he's actually not as much of a point guard as he is a scorer. So yeah, I think they do need to probably bring in a true point guard if Kyle Lowry you know, winds up being shifted or moved or whatever. Um, but Caleb Martin, I think what is worthy of a late round draft pick based off what I seen, like I thought, you know, his, he was invaluable in that Boston series average over 21 points, you know, easily could have been in the discussion for Eastern conference, even um, Eastern conference finals MVP. Um, but I think now that Kevin love is gone that gives him more value, assuming they don't bring in anybody else to play that power forward position. Um, Jimmy can obviously switch into that spot too, but I think his versatility is really important for the Miami Heat and his shooting, his ability to, to play both ends. Um, I think he's actually going to be a sneaky late-round pick for for fantasy managers, and he was pretty good this year off, off as a waiver-wire guy. He's going to play a lot of games. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that's probably going to be the most valued. And Duncan Robinson's not going to really be drafted. Max Struess will probably be a waiver-wire guy. Um, and this is all a moot point if they decide to trade them all for right. Bradley deal But the one player that I would probably still target in fantasy, I think, has value is is Caleb Martin. Yeah, and
0: I I think it's just going to depend on your league. Is, is everybody seeing well, what team he did?
1: Ten team, he's not sniffing. Well,
0: I'm saying there, yeah. more like who is in your league. Are they seeing what oh, he did true, true, in the Eastern Conference Finals and saying – yeah, top seventy-five, absolutely. Did you? Know? And it, he got Eastern Conference Finals MVP votes. Like he had them. Yeah. Like he almost won that over Jimmy Butler. He was excellent, and I, I think you know he's like you said, he should be drafted in twelve-team leagues. But I think that there could be guys that just see what he did and maybe just buy the hype a little bit. Say, oh yeah, yeah. like I just saw he did. Like he's about to break out i'm not uh, think, yeah yeah i would i would i don't right,
1: right. about the breakout but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'll, I'll let know, somebody me. else pay a seventh round pick for him i'll get there him in go. like the 11th when he falls or 12th or something <laughs> there, like that
0: exactly um and then the third team we'll talk about the nba champion denver nuggets who were the best team in the league for most of the beginning of the season had the best record for a little bit and then kind of cooled off a tad and i think that's probably where Jokic lost the mvp race was in that couple months stretch where they lost a few more games even though he's still putting up ridiculous numbers um they don't have their pick charlotte will make that 27th they have the 37th and 40th picks in the second round i think they just made that trade with the thunder during the finals to be able to get that pick the 37th yeah um as good as Denver is, and as much depth as they have, I feel like they don't have a ton of fantasy value. So you look at obviously Jokic, but then you have Jamal Murray, MPJ, and KCP who are top 100, and then Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon who are top 125, and then nobody else really does anything for fantasy, which is okay. Like those are right. that's plenty of options. Um, we'll start with Jokic, obviously. I guess one hundred one. <laughs> yeah i but my question is how long is he you like is he I and mean, he's been the number one guy for the past three seasons in nine cat he's 28 but i think he's a guy that if he assuming he's still playing in 10 years and hasn't decided to literally ride his horse off into the sunset he's a guy that can <laughs> still be the best or at least like a top five top 10 guy in, in fantasy he's not losing any athleticism because he doesn't have much. Like, <laughs> he's not going to be 38, and you're like, oh man, like, he's just not the same player he, he was. He's gonna be, he, he might, but he's going to be doing the same thing he's doing now. I mean, yeah. I don't think he's. So, how, I mean, even though he's 28, most of the time you'd probably look at him in, in Dynasty and say, okay, like, even he can still be really good for a little, for a while longer, but he's not going to be what he is. Like, this is his prime. But there's no reason to think that. At this point, he's not going to keep putting up these numbers for a really, really long time. How is he? If you were, if you had the uh, the top pick in a dynasty startup today, would you take him first?
1: Yes, but my theory on dynasty is probably different than others. I have yet to find a team between football or basketball that I've ever considered a rebuild. Like I refuse <laughs> to. My goal is to always win money. In the end, so, like, I'm going to try to compete as best I can. And even if that means being, you know, that Sixers franchise team that was, like, an eight seed that would go to the first round of the playoffs, get bounced, and then you get a crappy draft pick the next year, and then you got to do it all again only to get the same middling result. Like, I'll live with that because I had a chance to compete. And I think I could put myself in the best position to win by drafting a player like Nikola Jokic. And 28 years old, that's not old in basketball terms. He can play for easily six or seven more seasons and be straight. Because as you said, I think the difference between Nikola Jokic and other big men is that he doesn't put himself in risky, um, injury-type positions, right? Because he's not flopping around like Embiid or Anthony Davis. He very rarely hits the ground. He's the one that is initiating contact, not taking it. And his lack of athleticism is actually probably a good thing for his sustainability, right? Like, he doesn't get injured that much. He's a guy one of the rarities of fantasy basketball that you can actually rely on to play upwards of 65 and, and, and more games each year. Like he very seldom misses games. And as you said earlier on, like they did kind of hit the stagnant period throughout the, um, the season. But I think that was because they were just like, Hey man, we're playing the long haul here. We know that we have a team that has a, an opportunity to win a championship. Like let's make sure everyone is right. And for the most part, they were healthy throughout the post season. Right. And, um, I think they're all just bought in. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the in the in the world. I would I'd be hard pressed to pass up on a 28 year old that can give you a triple double and rely on him and off like to not only play but also be great. Like he's he's amazing. So yeah, I stand Nikola Jokic. Like he's he's the dude, man. Like I don't anyone that passes on him. Like whoever's getting number two like you're winning like you you won off of that alone like it's kind of like in dynasty I I kind of put him in the mantle of like Patrick Mahomes right like if you're starting a new dynasty startup like what quarterback do you want like you want Mahomes like he's the yeah. guy um so yeah Jokic 101 for me
0: yeah it's funny he would still be 101 for me but you mentioned your your philosophy for dynasty leagues is to not tank and I can't think of many leagues that I've joined where I haven't Pretty quickly rebuilt slash tanked for <laughs> like that is. That you is want Kevin go-to. Durant? Here you go. Give me a yeah, first round
1: like, pick for next season. <laughs> I'll draft
0: my team and trade everybody over the age of 22. I and just have like 17 firsts for the next three years. That's that's what I have fun doing. I don't know because you said my goal is to make money every time. I'm like, yeah, like my goal is to just try and get as many draft picks as I can and have like I'm gonna be like-
1: awesome <laughs> in five years. See that I just can't get there with that. Oh, i, don't, I was yeah, like, why yeah, don't I want to hand you guys money for five years? when well, my team is miserable as I set my lineup, I'm trotting out like the bummiest of bums just to have the, the next pick. But I will say if you get an opportunity to draft someone like Wemby, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Like I'll never yeah. sniff a Wemby. In any draft, because I'm like, you know, I finish a, uh, I finish a, uh, you know,
0: fifth or sixth out of twelve or something like that. Yeah, um, but no, that's much better, like a much more respectable philosophy than what I try <laughs> and do. I mean, I, I, I go, you know. Dude, okay, your team's going to gonna be unstoppable eventually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when I go 1 in 13, when I get that one win, oh my gosh, you're getting an earful for 2 weeks straight and I'm not going to stop talking. So, <laughs> it's just funny that you mentioned that cuz I was like, "Yeah, like, that's that's not what I do." But I think I feel like
1: that's what most dynasty people don't do. And like I it, Yeah, it's just always been an interesting uh discussion for me. And like I I actually want to have we could probably have a whole debate on just <laughs> dynasty strategies. <Yeah>. Um <laughs> But that's always something I've always wondered about, especially when you're doing it with random folks. Like I love at least when the fantasy, if we're doing it with fantasy analysts, we know that we're dedicated, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of startups that that fold within two or three years. And it's like, people have these grand scheme plans and it's like, yeah. oh wait, now four people left the league. Now the league's disbanding. And it's like, oh man, now I can't even like realize my vision or where it was going. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I generally, I don't play in a ton of leagues with random people. I have the few analyst leagues, but mostly sure. this is with friends and people I know. Okay, good, good. So you've been doing it for like at
1: least five years and it's running. It's not going to, it's not going to fold or anything like that. Okay. That's no, no.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'd be more open
1: to it. If that was the situation. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I'm not, okay. I'm not going to say I'm like going to go play with a bunch of random people and just assume it's going to go five years and just do my five year rebuild and guarantee a championship (laughs) after that. I'm not that bad about it, but yeah. Um, Anyways, get back to Denver, who yeah. won a championship after playing, doing it the right way. Yeah, this is my Denver Nuggets model. I'll, I'll rebuild the right way, homegrown through the draft.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's
0: worked out great. <laughs> uh, Jamal Murray, I think he's kind of, I don't know. I feel like at times underrated, and now I feel like because of how he's performed during the playoffs, a bit overrated. And I don't know. I feel like that's probably outla- outlandish to say a few days after they won the finals, but I saw people saying, oh yeah, Jamal Murray is like top five point guard in the NBA, top three, or maybe somebody said he was the best. And that may have just been clickbait basically. But Mm -hmm. to say that incredibly talented player, incredibly talented point guard, I think for fantasy specifically, he was 60th this past season. Um, He's before the injury. He was uh, 32nd that season. So, I mean, he's a guy that, we saw him like get triple doubles in the finals. He can get a bunch of assists, like hit threes score. He's he's one of the, uh, I feel like few guards that still has like a really good post game. Like obviously a lot of guards it's athleticism or quickness hitting step back threes, which he can still do those things. But I feel like I don't see many younger guards, especially have like a really solid post game, which is something I like to watch from him. But I don't know that he is, despite his talent, ever going to be a consistent second-round fantasy player or consistent third-round fantasy player. Do you, think, do you think that he can get back to that? Because he was 32nd during the 2020-2021 season and then obviously missed the full season, and then this past season was 60th. Where do you kind of see him consistently finishing?
1: I think he's going to be a third-round pick this year, and I think he's going to be a top-40 player. And the reason why I'm so bullish on him is because he's now two years removed from that ACL tear. And what I saw across the postseason was a guy that was maturing into being a basketball player. Like, so before I feel like he was a little bit more of a score first guard and it was nice could you have Nikola Jokic there to kind of feed you, you know, get you easy looks and whatever. But I think that transformation in the NBA finals where it was like, I'm just going to beat the crap out of you with this dribble handoff and pick and roll with, and you can't stop it. And if the heat with their dynamic defense and throwing out all these unique adjustments and stuff like that, can't stop it. Who can. And right now I think that this is the perfect model for a dynasty team. Like the nuggets, I already bet them to win the championship next year. Like I'm looking at the landscape and like, there's going to be so many moving parts across the Western conference that I don't know that they're going to be able to make the adjustments to be able to stop this squad right now. Michael Porter jr. Didn't play well in the NBA finals Mm -hmm. and they still, you know, put in work. And it's really because Jamal Murray was like, Hey man, I have the opportunity to be like a true point guard in this moment. He averaged over 10 assists in in the freaking NBA finals and had four straight games of 10, 10 assists or more. That's the type of Jamal Murray that we haven't seen in fantasy, right? Like he's usually around a five assist guy. Mm-hmm. I think there's an opportunity where, like you know, Jokic. Hey, man, I got you, man. Let me take some of this facilitation off your hands here. Let you body up and go get 27, 28, um, and then also get your other teammates involved. KCP, Aaron Gordon. Um, I think right now he's ranked 56th in hashtag basketball. I think that that's, I think that's fair. I'm I'm just going to be a little bit more aggressive with him because. Again, I hold more weight in player playoff performance than I do the regular season. And I think after coming off a championship victory, from what I saw in terms of his shot creation, your great point by you in terms of like the way that he scores, you know, he tries to get high percentage shots, good looks in the post, good footwork, can finish with either hand. Um, He's just so versatile that I think he's finally come into his own. He's feeling fully healthy. I think that there's top 35, top 40 upside with a player like him. And you're really riding the coattails of Nikola Jokic, the best player in basketball. So I think it's going to be a win-win regardless. Um, I think he's a player that I probably ranked. like So last year I was very high on De'Aaron Fox. I put them in the same caliber of, of ranking of, in terms of like their opportunity, what they can do. Um and also their upside. Like I think Jamal Murray is now entered all-star caliber player. Like he's he could be an all-star next year. He should be an all-star next year. So I'm gonna draft him as such.
0: I think the thing for me, and like we saw in the finals what he's capable of. I just question because I think that he is that talented of a player to do that. But I'm also like looking at why hasn't he done it in a regular season yet? And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what's frustrating for me is because I don't see a reason why he can't average Seven, eight assists per game. I don't see a reason why he can't, but why hasn't that happened yet? I think that's just something because he averaged 6.2 this season. Before Mm -hmm. that, I think his career high was 4.8. So why hasn't he done that yet? I'm not saying that's a, a knock on him or a reason that I would avoid drafting him. I guess that I'm just a little lower on his fantasy upside because of that, because I haven't seen that. But building off of an NBA Finals win is definitely something that I think is very realistic. Um, I saw this one on Twitter the other day. I'll ask what you think. It was like one of those like one gotta go. It was mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, Darren Fox, Jalen Brunson, Trey Young. Either, how would you? Whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's I just don't.
1: I, I'm I've I've never had Trey Young in fantasy. I, I just he never appeals to me just because of his erratic play. Like yeah, he can give you a, a huge spike, and he's one of only what three players to average twenty and ten. This past season, but I don't know why, man. There's just something about him that I'm just like, nah, I'll skip and go take if like if I a- were
0: if I were a Sixers fan or Knicks fan, I would probably feel the same way. i, <laughs> it's I fair. It. It's fair. That's I fair. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> there could uh, be some there
1: could be something to that. <laughs> I could be burned. burned a couple of times. I mean the man the did pretty much end three Ben Simmons and out. that whole era. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it, man. No. Uh 30 ten and three threes is coming up next season. <laughs> <laughs> gonna happen but uh the other guy that was top one actually kcp was also top 100 but michael porter jr was healthy this season it was really great he finished 80th and nine cat two seasons ago he was 27th um obviously the season in between he played a grand total of nine games and he's had a lot of back issues early in his career how do we project a 24 25 year old who has all the talent in the world but has a bad back at his young age and seems to also have issues with the coach where he wasn't getting the minutes that he maybe should have. And then there was talks about him being benched and just kind of a inconsistent player, I guess. How do we, how do we value him moving forward?
1: Um, so Porter jr. I'm, I'm probably a little bit lower on really because now with so many assets around the nuggets and this team isn't really going to be changing much. Um, there's only one ball. The only upside I see him really improving in fantasy is if he's going to increase his assists, which is never going to happen, and his rebounds. So if he can get his rebounds to you know, eight, I could be interested in like a 17 and eight guy, but he doesn't really do that much defensively. Good turnover rate, very low turnover rate, but I think he's safely like a mid-round pick, you know, round yeah. seven, eight. Like I w- I'd be okay if he was there, but I'm not going to reach – For him based off of so the interesting part about michael board jr though is like he's paid ridiculous right now um carries a huge cap to sign a big deal he's not going anywhere and i think his role is pretty much set but i again with so much usage going to Jokic and murray I, i don't see that much upside in terms of you know moving him up beyond seventh or eighth round
0: yeah the reason it's funny i was looking at the numbers he has He averaged one assist per game this year. and Yeah, he
1: never gets any dimes.
0: (laughs) It's because every single time he touches this basketball, he immediately shoots every single time. Never seen a shot he doesn't like. Average 13.2 shots per game and one assist. It's just – but, hey, when when you have Jokic and Jamal Murray throwing the ball around, he's getting threes. Most of them, I think, pretty good looks. Some of them probably forced just because he can. Yeah. I think it makes sense why he shoots a lot. Um but pretty much the rest of the team, I mean, you have Aaron Gordon and you have KCP and Bruce Brown who are solid fantasy guys, but I feel like lower value in dynasty because KCP is a bit older. Aaron Gordon, I feel like is also probably in his no, he's actually he's only be twenty. Yeah. So he's younger than I thought he was, but um Probably not a ton more upside, but just going to stick around where he is for a little bit, unless he just decides to hit more free throws. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Brown, you know, a reliable guy, kind of provides you some hustle stats, plays a lot of games, but there's not a ton of other fantasy upside on this team, unless you look a little deeper down at guys like Peyton Watson or Christian Brown. Probably have some upside just because they're a little younger. I think I saw, I don't know who blurbed it, but somebody blurbed about uh, for us earlier that Peyton Watson may have an expanded role next season, but is there anybody, I guess among the guys that I just mentioned that you are particularly high on or particularly low on?
1: Um, I think Aaron Gordon is what he is. He had a great first, uh, three months of the season. And I mm-hmm. think he kind of fell back to earth to the Aaron Gordon that we expect. Um, he was outstanding also in the, in the postseason, especially in the NBA finals and the Western conference finals, um, just an extreme adjustment by Michael Malone to get him in the dunker spot and watch him create um, the assists were really great to see the rebounds. Um, will consistently be around a 10 point, you know, 11 point score, but like, I'm not going to overdraft Aaron Gordon based off what I saw in the postseason. Bruce Brown is really interesting. I love Bruce Brown. He has a player option for $6.8 million. He's probably going to decline that, but he did say that he wants to return to the Denver nuggets. So we'll see what happens there. But um I'm, I'm higher on Christian Brown than anyone, mainly because of what, not only, you know, as a rookie, the impact that he made on the highest stage and the, the brightest lights, um, he was invaluable in that, in that uh, NBA finals run. And I think if Bruce Brown leaves for the bag, Christian Brown's going to end up getting a lot more minutes than he did in the previous uh, season. So I, I think that there's certainly some value in drafting him, especially late. Right now, hashtag basketball has him number 264. You could move that way up. Um, because if he has an opportunity to get more minutes with Bruce Brown gone, like that's a huge upside. Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, he's a waiver wire guy for me. Can help you in steals and threes, and that's about it. Um, Peyton Watson, I think might be able to get more time, but I feel like I would prioritize Christian Brown over him. Um, in terms of moving him up in dynasty rankings. Yeah, because we—I mean,
0: we saw what Christian Brown did in the finals. He got. In just game five, he played uh, 24 minutes in game five. Yeah, played 24 minutes off the bench. Peyton Watson will still have to see what exactly his role could look like. Yeah. He has upside. I think he's somebody that you need to consider having upside. But Christian Brown is almost a pretty safe option at this point to be higher than 264. If Bruce Brown's gone, great. He's probably going to be like the sixth man or seventh man off the bench. And if Bruce Brown stays, he's still going to see a large role in year two. I think I saw something that's interesting with with him. He won like three straight high school titles, then went to Kansas. They won their last big 12 tournament game before COVID. Then I think they didn't win it the next year. And then they won the national championship. And then he won the NBA finals. So, he was just a winner, guess, man. Yeah. Championship guy. I mean, you, I think the way he plays is what you would say as far as like a winner. Like, I feel like... He doesn't do a ton offensively, but he's a good perimeter defender and consistently gets deflections and fast break plays. Like he's that that glue guy that you just can just kind of plug in and he helps you. So it kind
1: of it kind of reminds me of a Dante DiVincenzo.
0: hmm Yeah. Like can,
1: can kind of he's athletic, he can shoot, he he'd scrappy on defense. He has, you know, winning pedigree from college. Yeah. Um he's definitely going to be a ball player. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think that having him at two sixty four, that's someone that you could, I mean, that's actually pretty shocking to me that Contavious Caldwell Pope has higher value in terms of ranking than, than Christian Brown right now. I think that that needs to definitely be flip-flopped. Um, so yeah, if you, if you have him, if you're looking at these rankings and you see an opportunity to strike uh, definitely, definitely make the move on Christian Brown.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Cause the interesting thing about this team, you know, you mentioned Bruce Brown player option could leave everybody else is under contract. That's yeah, part of their rotation. Set. So mm-hmm. the fact that you already put money on them to win next year, I think that's, you know, it's hard to predict exactly, but if you, yeah, I
1: mean, Jokic gets, it, gets hurt. That's all, that all goes left, but <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but I think if it's one of the safer bets, because they banked on their consistency and having, you know, the same rotation, same guys going together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like everybody else is trying to make moves. They're not going to have that same continuity and chemistry that Denver has. So there's no reason to think that they won't be at least back competing for a title, maybe not able to win back-to-back. But one of the guarantees that you're like, okay, they're going to make it at least to the second round, potentially to the conference finals, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: almost guaranteed. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't.
1: Yeah, and teams are going to be trying to make Outrageous moves like signing, trading away your depth, like the Suns did for Kevin Durant, to try to <laughs> do these things to make it work, and ultimately, I think we saw, you know, with the Denver Nuggets just running through them in in six games. You know, defense—they're going to need defense, and I don't know that there's enough defensive stoppers in the Western Conference or going to the Western Conference that's going to be able to hold back this team and this core that's that's had several years to get this right, and now it's it's all kind of clicking together.
0: Yeah. So you guys heard it here first. Dan said nuggets are going back to back. Go ahead and throw all your money down. (laughs) That's not a hot take at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Dan, I've already taken too much of your time. So we'll go ahead and start to wrap this up before we go. um, If there's anybody interested in getting into any sort of writing or podcasting in either just sports in general, fantasy space, kind of anything, what advice would you have for them?
1: Uh, I would say network. Uh, that's that's been extremely valuable and important to me in my growth and, and maturation through this industry. Making sure that not, even if it's just like a simple DM or asking someone for feedback, um, always be willing to take constructive criticism. It's only going to make you better. Um, try to learn as quickly as possible. You know, try test, and then you're going to fail sometimes too. But just learn from your mistakes and and keep it grow and keep it moving. Um, reach out to me. I can be found on Twitter at Dan Titus. DM me, my DMs are open. Um, and we're also looking, eventually going to be looking for some writers. So if you guys have a passion and, and want to write um, for someone like Yahoo, like I can certainly, you know, put in some connections there. And, or, you know, any other publication that I've worked for, if you have a passion for it, like it's a very small industry and there's not a lot of people doing it. So, you know, if you're, if you're in, if you're into this and as much of a degenerate as we are, um, <laughs> just reach out, man. We we would love to at least have the conversation. So yeah, it's it's there's no magic formula. I think it's just a, a combination of putting in the work, uh, being versatile, make sure that you can write, uh, be comfortable on video, and then also you know just be willing to put yourself out there and take on assignments that may not be that advantageous in the in the short term, but you know look long term and you, you could actually have some some doors open for you.
0: Yeah, definitely a grind. Definitely not something that happens overnight. Uh, something that you probably are gonna have to do for a while without making much money or getting much recognition
1: (laughs) yeah i was definitely broke for quite some time (laughs)
0: that's that's real Um, right uh but then yeah so dan what i know you mentioned earlier that you are going to have some rankings coming out in the next few weeks but what else can we be on the lookout for to be able to check out on your content that you're posting
1: yeah. So continue to check out round boss do, um, our podcast on Roto world and NBC sports edge with Raphael Johnson. We'll be doing some draft coverage for that. Um, as Noah just alluded to, I'll be having some rankings dropping in the next few weeks and all season content, man, I'll be hopefully heading to the summer league. So hopefully I can get some footage of Wemby and, and Scoot and, nice. and, uh, the Thompson uh, brothers. Like, we're just really excited to, to be able to see that. And, uh, if you're out there, definitely holler at me. We'd love to see you and talk, talk shop. And, um, Yeah, man, just keep plugged in. I'll be having an article or two each week, just kind of recapping what we saw in the finals, uh, the postseason, things, expectations to see in free agency, obviously addressing trade rumors. So
0: it's going to be a busy offseason. So continue to tap in with me. Absolutely. Plenty of content coming up. We just finished doing all 30 teams uh, and recapping them, Dynasty Outlooks, which means draft content is coming up here as well. Um, which is probably going to be the focus of just about every fantasy publication or non-fantasy publication that's doing anything basketball for the next few weeks until uh, free agency starts. But that's going to do it for Episode 10 of the Take Me Later podcast. And, Dan, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Noah. Let's do it again sometime, man. we got plenty of off-season cool. stuff to talk about. <laughs> Definitely,
0: Always plenty to talk about uh, in basketball because, like we said, it never stops. So but that's going to do it for this episode.